Hello and welcome to the Top Tutor Podcast, where we share insider information from the world of elite tutoring to help your students get the best results both academically and in life. I'm your host, Nathaniel Dahlquist, the owner and head tutor at Grove Prep. I've been a tutor since I graduated from Yale in 2015 and focus primarily on standardized test prep and college admissions. Joining me is my co-host, Alexander Friedman. Alex worked as a software engineer and a researcher before founding Brooklyn Math Tutors in 2008. Since then, he has used his experience in math and computer science to hire some of the best STEM tutors in New York City. Hi, Alex. Hello. What are we going to talk about today? So we're going to talk about a topic that I think would deserve a warning for parents. We're going to talk about what to do if your student is unmotivated. And I, I will warn people in advance that what I'm about to say, or some of the things I probably will say, uh, may, may be unpleasant to hear. And there are also things that I, I don't tell uh, parents or clients of our company, because most people don't want to hear it. But if you really want your students to be more motivated, then you may have to hear some things you don't like. So, so get ready. Yeah, we're going to try and be as useful as possible and, and give data from our experiences. And we hope, we hope you that you find it useful. And of course, if you ever have any questions or anything else that you'd like to ask us about it, you can contact us uh, after the podcast. But we just wanted to let you know because this is, it might not be the most popular thing you've ever heard. So, yep. All right, Alex. If I've got a student... And they are unmotivated. If I just can't get them to do the work, what do you think I should do? So I think the most important thing to do with kids of any age, and especially as they get older, is to see them as separate individual human beings who happen to be living in the house with you. Is, is to think of what's happening systematically. Like, not, like, like kind of detach yourself and be like, if this is someone else's kid, what's going on and to think about the issue systematically. Here's what I've noticed. Kids are humans and humans respond to incentives that they understand. So uh, as an adult, you have long-term thinking, you have executive function. You're like, well, if I want this in the future, I have to do this now. And maybe I don't want to do it now, but I know I got to do it. Uh, kids who are not agreeable. So some kids are agreeable. You know, you have, you have that psychological uh, trait. Some kids who are agreeable will just be like, hey, yeah, mom, I want to please you. Like, you just tell me to do this. Like, I, I, I'm happy to do what you say. I think it's a good idea. But kids who are not agreeable, I was one of these people, uh, as they get older, develop more individuality, will be like, why, why do I, I don't, I don't want to do this. This doesn't feel good. Especially, it doesn't feel good compared to other things I could be doing right now, such as playing Minecraft, such as being outside, such as looking at Instagram, such as basically anything else. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that if you as an adult was suddenly placed in a situation where shelter was taken care of, food was taken care of, you're basically taken care of, uh, you have no real need for money forever. Because to a kid, there is no when you're going to be 40. Like To you, there is like what happens in 20 years. To like a 14-year-old, there's no such thing as what's going to happen when I'm 40. So if you're in that situation, I think it's a Think about like, would you do anything? Like, how much would you do? Uh, I know that personally, I have a hard time motivating myself to do things that have long-term results, even though I know it's good for me. You know, I know I should eat better or whatever. So it's hard. And, and we, we need to acknowledge and remember that it's even harder for kids. And I think what happens is that when kids are young, they have less and less sense of self and, you know, they're pretty obedient. They'll do what you say. But as they get older, they start diverging. And so if you want them to do something, they need to have real incentive to do it as opposed to an incentive to do something else. Um, 
So I see a lot of parents who have kids who don't want to do stuff. And when I look at the situation, I'm like, well, yeah, I wouldn't want to do anything either. There's no real consequences, either positive or negative. Like maybe you want your kid to study harder, but like what's going to happen to them immediately? They're not going to go hungry. They're not going to go broke. They still have their friends. Um, and like nothing will really happen to them. So this, and there's no incentive. Like some kids have that incentive. Some kids like, I want to show off. I want to be good. I want to get that A. I want to learn. That's like the best one. And, and Nathaniel, I think we'll, you'll talk about that later. Uh, but like, look at the incentive structure of your child's life as if they were like an employee or like a separate person or a stranger. And I think that the start of that will help you understand why. Uh, and also their temperament, because again, temperament really matters. And that'll help you understand why they may not be motivated. Oh, man. That's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's tough because I think as adults, we understand ourselves well enough to know how to get through things that we don't want to do. But when you're a kid and you just don't have that much data, you don't have that much life experience, it can be really tough. Like, it, like it's, it's just painful. It can be literally painful to study, to study math, for example. And, and there's also a, a huge aspect of pain avoidance. So if it's actively unpleasant or, for example, I, I see this a lot with kids who have uh, learning difficulties uh, or, you know, ADHD or other things. It is actually painful for them to do it because they're being expected to do something that their neurology is literally not equipped to do. You know, like forcing a kid to sit still for an hour when they have something like that is impossible. And like, re it, oh man, it breaks my heart because, you know, I've got parents who are like, hey, like my, my student has, you know, this learning difficulty. Can you teach them for an hour? And sometimes I have to be like, this hour is too long. I lost them after after 50 minutes. There was no going back. We cannot do hour long sessions because it is it is actually painful for this kid to sit still in this chair for this long. And some of the, the research that I've done on autism and other learning difficulties uh, and neurodivergence has it, it that data is really starting to support that it is it is not a good idea to expect kids to do something that they're that they can't do. And unfortunately, the education system that we have does ask everyone to fit into the same box for yep. the most part. And I think that's a real challenge. Anything else you want to add to what you just said, Alex? Yeah, so uh, I would look at like what your kids have in their life that's motivating them. And and what I would actually do even, even before that is like check out this amazing podcast, Not By Us, uh, by Andrew Huberman on uh, the science of motivation. Because children are, you know, they're less experienced, but they're wired the same way as adults. So uh, to, to do something and to do it well over a long period of time, you need to really be motivated to do it. And if your kid is, doesn't have some intrinsic motivation, like I love math. So I was like acing my math classes and I was failing all my other classes because I didn't have intrinsic motivation and my parents didn't know how to motivate me. So if your kids don't have intrinsic motivation, um, if they're disagreeable, if they're like, no, you know, and some, some are just going to be like that. And it's not a bad character trait. I should really mention that it's not a bad character trait. Those are the kids that will like, forge their own path in life. Um, so they're disagreeable. You have to you have to think about how do I create a structure around them that incentivize them to, them to do this? And the best way, I, I would say, well, one way you should try, if you're willing, is like, one, take away things that you are providing that are that create very fast reinforcement. Like, I, I'm sorry, but like video games... Like they were addictive like 20 years ago. They are insanely addictive because they you don't have to work hard 
and you get an immediate boost of, of dopamine. Like, oh, that was fun. And you didn't do anything. Whereas like sitting and writing an essay is hard. Like it's hard. It's hard for me. It's certainly hard for a 15 year old. And, and if you happen to be good at essays, well, then maybe sitting and doing trig is hard. Like I've worked with untold number of kids for whom it's hard. Um, and the only way I think to make it long lasting is you have to teach them to find enjoyment in hard work. And I think uh, part of that is not having so many things readily accessible that give you enjoyment without any hard work. So while they're young, you know, like I, I know it's not fashionable or it's not common now, but like, don't be afraid to remove things that you pay for. Like you're not obligated for them to have like an iPhone and an iPad and Netflix, like, like you can provide these things and maybe it's entertaining and maybe they'll be mad at you if you take them away, but like they ain't working. Like they're not buying this stuff. Like if they want an iPhone and they're failing school, like, you know, like have them work for it because it's actually much more satisfying to have something that you work for. And I see this a lot that, uh, parents who, who themselves are hardworking people who I know like have worked their butts off to get to wherever they are, like kind of want to make their children not face as much struggle. But I think that takes away from those kids' ability to actually engage in hard work because, you know, everyone needs to work hard to succeed in life, even if not financially, then just personally. Oh man, I my personal example of that is as a teacher, if I see a kid really struggling with a problem or something that they're working on, it can be so difficult to not just give it to them and to ease the pain and to move on. It can be so tough to bite my tongue, but you know what? When I do it and they struggle a little bit longer and then they get it, you know what? they get that type of problem right much more often in the future. And the look of joy and success on their faces is really worth it to me. Now, sometimes I do have to intervene. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna let them suffer needlessly uh, if, if, they're just, if they're just, you know, dangling in the wind, like I'm gonna help them. But it is, it is really tough to sit on your hands and watch the kid figure it out for themselves. It can be really tough. Yeah, I, I see that uh, in younger kids, you know, like, because as a parent, your kids start out helpless. And of course, you have to do stuff for them. Like, it's only natural. It's even for me when I see someone else's kid. Like, yeah, you go ahead. You struggle. Like, I know it's good for you. But when it's your kid, you're like, you know, you're used to doing things. You have to, like, gradually, like, do less and less and less uh, and help them by, like, holding yourself back, uh, just just as you mentioned, and being like, no, no, no you're going to struggle a little more. So in my math tutoring sessions, I will very much do that. I'll give people problems and I'll... If they have a lot of math anxiety and a lot of negative associations with math, like you have to give them easy challenges, but challenges that they could surpass. And like little by little, you have to increase what I think people call frustration tolerance. That's there's probably like science behind it. And you help them learn to like, it's okay to be frustrated behind it. it, it sorry, it's okay to be frustrated for a little while. And they get better and better being like, okay, I'm not going to figure this out in five seconds. So uh, from my own personal experience, like I was exceptionally good at math, but that meant that when I got to a certain level or when I did anything else, anything that wasn't easy for me, I would just give up. And I think there's a lot of kids like that. I worked with a lot of kids who are like, oh, like, well, I'm exceptional at reading or, and, and writing. Like teen kids are super talented, but math doesn't come easy to them. And they're like, I can't do this. And they just like throw up their hands metaphorically or, or practically. Like, I can't do this. I'm like, well, how long did you try for? Like, like three seconds. <laughs> like it didn't come to them in three seconds. And uh, I think that character trait is also called grit. Like you have to help your kids develop 
grit. And, and I do think part of that is removing bad options from life. And this is like the parenting advice that parents don't want. But I feel that as adults, you have the wisdom to structure environments that kids don't. Like you wouldn't give your kid, this is going to be so not, not PC, but you wouldn't give them access to like hard drugs. Like, you know, like, <laughs> hey, they might like it, like just like <laughs> you might like it, but like you're not going to let them have it because it's bad for them and they don't have the, uh, the self-awareness and the experience to, to control themselves. And I think for some kids, not all kids, I've seen kids that are just amazingly way better than me able to manage like smartphones and computers. And then some kids who are, uh, maybe they have, you know, not as good executive functioning skills, whatever the reason is, if you give them a phone, they're, they're not going to be able to look away. Like if there's a TV in the room I'm in, like I, I will stare at it. Like I, I don't want to, but I will stare at it. So I just like, when I go to restaurants, I'll put my back towards a TV because I, because I know my attention. I don't have a strong enough ability to direct my attention. And I'm an adult, and I, and and so, um, if you can structure the environment that they that there isn't much in it that's easy, and gives you satisfaction like immediately, I think that that will if they have nothing to do but well you know what after I do my math homework after this, then you know we have a certain amount of like screen time or whatever that kind of thing does help a lot. I've I've experienced that with with a bunch of kids too, and it's it's been, you know, the smartphone era has really changed. A lot of that, you know, there's just so much more information that's available and so much entertainment that's really easily available that like you, it, 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 I think it's actually more difficult now to like learn these long-term skills and like why I, oh my God, I get this question all the time. Why do I need to learn my multiplication tables if I have a calculator? You know, so something as simple as that, and my my response is always, any student of mine is going to be able to multiply every number up through 12 and know all the squares up through 15. Get to work. <laughs> and they hate me for it. And then I literally, this was this morning, there was a girl who was just like rattling off these multiplication facts. And I said, do you remember literally four years ago when I told you that you needed to learn these multiplication facts by heart so that you would never, ever have to think twice about them again? And because when you were older, it was going to be valuable. I just want to point out that that's today. Today is the day. I tell you, it was such a thrill for me. <laughs> she also got a huge kick out of it. She was like, I can't believe you were right. I hated you so much back then. I was like, oh, I know. But you still, you do know that 15 squared is 225. And that's all I ask. So <laughs> um, I have I have a little bit to contribute on this from, a Alex is, an, is such an amazing systems guy and I'm here to be the woo-woo guy. So uh, <laughs> my, it, it's not really that woo-woo, but y you know that Einstein quote that's about like, if you, if you like expect a fish to climb a tree, it's gonna spend its whole life thinking it's stupid. It's like that whole idea that like if you're if you're being forced to do something you're not built for it, it's really frustrating because other like it, the fish will look at the monkeys and be like, they can climb a tree. Why can't I climb a tree? So in my experience with students who are unmotivated or who don't just don't want to do the work, I have found almost exclusively that those kids are not super, I hate to use this word in this context, but not super plugged in to something that makes them passionate. They they don't have 
like an unabashed source of joy or whether that's because they're a nerd, whether they're a music kid, a theater kid, a, a, like a, an athlete, you know, some a researcher, you know, they, they just don't have access to the thing that honestly they will probably wind up doing either for their career or at least in some significant way as like a really important hobby or like a very large part of their life in college and especially after college. They like don't have access to that thing yet. And so one of the things that I have found really helps my students, and it spills over into every other thing that they do, I have noticed this, is making sure that they're connected to something that they really do feel like they're good at, that they're good at, that they enjoy, that they're passionate about, that they learn on their own. And I was I was just having a conversation with a Cirque du Soleil clown about this, actually, is the idea of curiosity, because I have found that I can't teach curiosity. It, I, I, you, you can try and get a kid curious about something as much as you want, but it's they have to want it themselves and go for it. And so, that if if a kid isn't sure what they're passionate about, I always point them in the direction of their curiosity. Well, what do you want to know? What are what are you interested in? And you know what? It doesn't have to be your whole life. You can like be interested in underwater basket weaving and go do it and scratch that itch and be like, okay, now I know something about that and move on. Or you might become an underwater basket weaver. You never know. And like make a fortune, you know, at art, at art fairs and things like that, you know, that kind of thing. It's possible. And so I found that uh, uh, one of my students recently, he loves jazz. He loves jazz so much. And he was very bored in his other classes. And I asked him to sort of turn up the heat on his jazz education a little bit. I was like, I know that you're, that school is not your favorite, that you get bored in some of your classes, but I would invite you to try not to be bored in the classes that you're passionate about. Try and dig as much as you can. Ask questions of the teacher. Like get, get in there, get under the hood and like learn how to do something that you're passionate about. And what I found is that it woke him up for the rest of his classes. He was more awake throughout the day because for the first part of the day, he was looking forward to jazz class. And the latter part of the day, he was energized from jazz class. And I think that's really important because it's so easy to go through school and not engage with any subject. But like if you love Spanish, if you love history, if you love music, go for it. And I I, I have really seen kids become successful when they are engaged with that that thing that they actually enjoy because it just it just makes their life more colorful and more fun. Yeah, I think there's a different way to frame what you're saying. You're saying it as passion and I could see how... Some people might think it's woo-woo, but there's another way of looking at the same thing. And that is if you're doing something that's meaningful to you. Now, as like a 15-year-old or 13-year-old, what you might, might find meaningful will be different from what you'll find meaningful as an adult. But uh, there are certain kids, I, I think, again, it's agreeableness, who won't want to do things that they don't understand the meaning behind it. I, I was one of those kids. I, I've tutored many kids like that. And... I like math, so I didn't have to have meaning behind it, but there was a whole lot of stuff I didn't like, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm not doing it. And I've had kids that are the opposite. They're like, hey, I'm really interested in performance. I want to be this. Why do I need to learn this this nonsense? I'm like, you know what? You're, you're right. Like, there's no direct reason for you to learn this. But what you can do is you can frame what they're doing, if, if, if it's true, and if it's not, it's a different story, 
in terms of like a longer term goal that they have. It can't be a longer term goal that you as a parent have. Like if you want your kid to be a doctor, that's different from them wanting to be a doctor. I know, I know it's not like the thing now, but if you're like, I want my kid to grow up and be this, this, that, so they should do this. Like they don't think that like just because you want it doesn't mean that they want it. But if your kid wants to be a musician, artist, performer, let's say they're into jazz, like, hey, you know what? Like, it would really help to do well in high school. If they want to go to a top music school, you better have good grades. So even if you don't want to, you know, have good grades for this, for just the heck of it, maybe there's some meaning in working hard uh, so that you get to the goal that you want. So it's very important to know what, you know, either what passions the child has or what goal, something that, that's important to them. And then like, direct them and help them understand that, okay, what you're doing now isn't just this completely meaningless thing. Maybe, maybe in the grand scheme of things, it's meaningless. Maybe you'll never need to, you know, do another trig identity in your life. However, this is how the world is. And sometimes you have to jump through hoops. And, and, and even if the hoop itself is silly, you're trying to get somewhere. And if you really want to get there, like, okay, jump through this hoop well. So, (laughs) so, so framing it and thinking about what is meaningful for your child to do, because I bet there's something that they will just do without any input. You know, I, I am personally very, uh, I question like the vast diagnosis of ADHD. Like sure, there's some people who have difficulty with attention, but you'll find that most of those people, it's not that they have difficulty with attention overall. It's that they just don't want to do things that they don't want to do. Like if you give them a guitar, they'll play a guitar if they're into it. Like, you know, I probably would have been diagnosed, but you know what? Like I was sitting and programming computers for 10 hours, like all the attention I need because it's something I wanted to do. And then as an adult, I learned to link my long-term desires with focusing on things perhaps I don't want to do. Like, you know what? I don't want to go to jail, so I will sit down and do my taxes. Nice, yeah. So uh, yeah, think about what it is your your kids find meaningful and, and connect what they're doing now to their own goals, not, not your goals per, t- per se. Yeah. And you know, it, and it can be challenging and it depends on the situation you're in and the resources you have access to, but it's, you know, we have the internet and through the internet, most, not most things are possible perhaps, but many things are possible. And it's, you know, it's, it's really amazing because I think that it, it, it's really a shame to me that kids are not as aware of what they actually enjoy or like as as I wish they were. I mean, like I, I'm like an artist and an actor myself. So like art making is a huge part of my life. And I, I really, I, I saw when I was in high school, I thought I was weird because of that. And so there can be social pressures for students not to engage in the things that they actually enjoy. And when I teach at conferences and stuff, one of the things I tell all of these kids is like, one of the one of the ways to have a meaningful life is to accept that you love what you love and em- embrace embrace your fandom or your nerdiness or whatever that is or you know the fact that you enjoy i come back to loving sports a lot because i hated sports as a kid and now i love exercise i just it's a huge part of my life and it's really important to me but i didn't know that because i was embarrassed to try in high school and now as an adult, it's so meaningful to me. But I, I stayed, I kept it as far away from, as, from me as possible as a kid because I was embarrassed because I was overweight. So it was, that was really challenging and I'm glad I discovered it later in life. But it's the, the, the motivation problem that we're seeing really, I mean, across the board, I think is, is 
the, a big root of it is what you said about the the students don't understand why they have to do what they have to do because they are smart. They are smart kids. And it's not because they're dumb. It's not because they're stupid or they don't have the ability. It's because they don't understand why. And honestly, I don't want to do things that I don't understand why either. <laughs> <laughs> and and learn uncovering that can be really helpful and you know i i'll, I'll share a quick story about a student uh who he was he, in early early like high school he just hated math and middle school i was called in to help him in the 7th grade he just hated math he hated spanish and he decided when he was a sophomore in high school that he wanted to go to the university of oregon to study sports marketing and because of that specific goal, that specific thing that he wanted, he got his act in gear and he got a, he got a great GPA. He brought all of his grades up and he, because he knew what he wanted, because he wanted to go do this specific thing. And so he became motivated to do it by himself. And the parents and I are just standing there with our like jaws on the floor, watching him do all of his homework without prompting, because we all thought we were going to have to drag him by the hair through high school. <laughs> and he did it all by himself. And then I, as a teacher, was able to actually help him and teach him things and educate him rather than just making him do the work. And so that's one another benefit is that the the students students who are more engaged in that way you can actually teach them things you can actually educate them and and go beyond two plus two equals four because they've done a lot of that grunt work and it is grunt work on their own. Yeah, it's this is like a topic we can talk about in 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 probably in great length if people are interested in it. Like as one more data point, uh, I dropped out of high school because I didn't want to be there. But then when I wanted to get a job as a programmer. I went to college and I had like one of the highest GPAs. Like I, I, I did everything, uh, even the classes I hated. Cause I was like, you know what? I'm here to do well. I, I'm going to do well. And, and there are, uh, there are some kids that are like that. And I think as a parent, you have to accept that. Um, and you may be frustrated if let's say you have multiple kids and some of them are very agreeable and some of them are not. And you just don't understand like why, like, one of your children is like very much like, oh, hey, mom, you think I should do this? Like, I, I like, yeah, I'll, I'll take your, I'll take your lead. And why some of them, uh, more often boys are like, hell no, hell no, I'm not going to do it unless, unless I know why I'm doing it. And they're like seven and you're like, what, what is going on here? Wow. This is, wow. I'm, I'm really glad we talked about this. It's uh it's a really deep subject and it, there's a lot to say about it. Also, I, I just want to point out that like, like if, if any, anything that we said kind of struck, struck something in you that, that you had a, an emotional reaction to just want to honor that and say that I understand these opinions are just our own and based on our experiences uh, with the students that we've taught and sort of our philosophies around things. And if you, but if, if you disagree, I'd love to hear it because I want to, I want to hear lots of perspectives and get more information so I can become a better teacher. So if you, if you have something you strongly disagree with, I want to hear it, please send it to me so that we can have a meaningful uh, discussion and I can learn some things because I love talking to people who can teach me stuff. So. Thank you all so much for joining us. If you have any questions about what we talked about today, we would love to hear them. There's an email address in the show notes. If there's anything you'd like for us to discuss on the podcast, please send those ideas to us as well because we want to provide information that you'll find useful. That's our whole goal. Also, if you found this discussion useful or if it meant something to you, it would be so great if you'd share it with people that you think would also find it meaningful. And if you could leave us a review, that would mean a lot to us because then we can share this information with more people. Thank you all so much and we'll see you next time.